So like, it does not have to be a big deal, but those are some common things that a lot of people put on their altars. You can also do like an incognito altar, which again could just be a candle on your dining room table that you light and sit at your table and write your journal or whatever. And that's your altar. That I think like even like the more, I mean, not extravagant, but like the ones with like the four, Mm -hmm. what's the word? Elements. Yeah. For the four elements, even like all four elements, is it four or five? Well, some people say spirit. Okay. Yeah. But that's you. Yeah. Oh, you don't have, I mean, you, you can put you on the altar. You can put a picture of you. Do a sacrifice. Yeah. Put some blood. I mean, you do you, boo. (laughs) Uh, you do you. Because I feel like that's what people think when they think altars. They think about, like, the the, the big, big, fancy, like, altar yeah, at with, the, that you lay a virgin on. Right, right. But no, no, no. We're talking about a smaller version. Well, and then, or you can get you a big-ass stone slab in your backyard that you want to go out there and do all your work on. I'm not saying sacrificing virgins. I'm not saying anything like that. But, you know, you want to go out there and dance around it. Whatever. Do you. But I also read somewhere that, like, um, you can just get four candles that represent each color represents yes. one of the elements. So, yeah. like, whatever you want, you can even just, you could put, really, you could put a chair up against the wall with a picture of the four elements up over that, like a little gallery wall, and mm-hmm. sit there and meditate. Boom, it's an altar. Okay. Like, it's, it's really doesn't, it's all about the intention, as always. If you say... I'm putting these four things here, or I'm putting this thing here, or I'm putting that there because I'm making this space right here sacred for my worship or whatever. That's an altar. Got it. Now, if you want to have like, you know, a textbook witchy altar, you're going to get you a little shelf, a little table, right? And you put it there. You've got your candles, your incense, your water. You've got some rocks or some seashells, stuff like that that you just have to have those energies there. You can put, um, if you work with any deities, you can put statues or pictures or whatever of them. A lot of people will do a daily tarot card pull and put that on their altar. And that's like their, their day. Mm -hmm. And they'll put that up there. But yeah, so my altar is outside on my front porch Mm -hmm. and I've got, I've got my little jar of water. I've got a couple of incense holders. I don't keep my incense on the altar. I keep it separately. But I've got a small bookshelf with shelves underneath as well. And I keep a lot of my, like, tools in those shelves. And other just items that I like. A lot of stuff from my grandmother is there. And I can move things around. That's the other thing about your altar. It can change every day. Mm-hmm. You can change it every day. You yeah, I've read somewhere. decorate it every day. I've, yeah, I saw that people kind of, like... Uh, redesign mm-hmm. their altars every season to mm-hmm. represent what season it is. So, like, in fall, they'll, like, try and do, like, more oranges, reds, that color. Yeah. Winter, it's more, like, blues and, you know, that kind of thing. And you can even do, like, a room-by-room altar. Like, you can have a kitchen altar, and you can have a, a living room altar and a bedroom altar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, for different purposes. Like, your bedroom altar can be where your red candles live. You know what I mean? Yeah, get those yeah. those crystals that yeah. are, like, specified for and that. And then, you know, you want, like, your kitchen altar could be a, like, more healing type. A lot you of want herbs. everything to be, yeah. You want everything to be really, like, 
powerful and nourishing stuff. Mm -hmm. And just, you can have an outdoor altar, you know, throw your seeds on there to soak up the energy. But it's basically just you dedicating a little spot that's for you to stop and connect. It's kind of a mindfulness practice and it can be anywhere, like I said, and it can be anything, but it's just a spot for you to stop and connect with the energies Mm -hmm. that you're trying to connect with. Got it. You can make them themed. Again, I said you can do them with a deity. Like you can, if, if you're, I can't think of a deity all of a sudden. Oh my gosh. Of course not. Of course I can't, but you could do one to the moon. You could have a moon altar. Yeah, I was, like, coming up with gods, and I was, like, I mean, Odin. But yeah, then, like, you could. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you could have an altar dedicated to Odin in your home, and you could go to there to connect with Odin. Oh, okay. Very much like um, ofrendas in um, Hispanic culture. Coco? Or Day of the... Yeah. Yes. Coco. That's all I can think of. Yes. Like, Coco. But yes. Kind of like, they, those are altars to connect to loved ones who have moved on. It's the same kind of thing. You just, whatever you want to connect with, you put a little spot in your home and put things there that you, that help you connect with that thing. Yeah. Cause that was like an ancestor altar. Right. That I think, uh, the Asian community also does. Yeah. And then you've got, you can do like a working altar. If you're doing like real spell work, Mm-hmm. If you're not just doing meditative and stuff like that, but like actual spell work you would want to do on a working altar. And it can just be like, you know, you're grinding your herbs on the altar so that there they are getting kind of blessed by the altar's significance. Okay. And it's their vibes. Right. So, or like if you, like I got a necklace once in the mail that was supposed to help with like self love. And I put it on my altar with some roses and I just sat it there for a few days and then I put it on like to kind of just like absorb the my energy. altars energy. Yeah. And like, this is, we're going to do right. And then I actually also have a travel altar, which I can post a picture of. My grandmother made it for me. It's in an Altoids tin. I've heard of those. Yes. And it's got all four. I have that little charms of the four elements. I've got a small candle about, uh, they can't see, but it's about an inch long. Yeah. Um, and I've got a little mini deck of tarot cards in there. Like, it's just, I don't ever use it. I've never used it, but I have it. You're going to use it when we go on tour. Oh, okay. That's what That's it's what for. I'll do. But yeah, we can post a picture that my grandmother decorated the outside all witchy. It's real cute. But yeah, I like my little travel altar. And then we can also just do like a decorative altar that you never actually use. It's just there and pretty. Mm-hmm. Like a shelf in your living room full of pretty crystals. That's a decorative altar that you... Especially stuff like, um, you know, you've got a 50-year-old, 50 years is not that old, but, you know, a 100-year-old glass from your great-grandmother's wedding Mm -hmm. that you would love to use as a chalice on your altar, but you don't want it to break. You put it on your decorative altar. Okay. It's, you know, a significant magical object that you don't want to touch because it could break. Okay. Stuff like that you could put as a decorative altar. Okay. And you could still stop and admire it whenever you want. Got it. It's behind glass. It could be behind glass or just up on a shelf. Above a lot of us have toddler level. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us have cats. Yeah. A lot of us folks who have altars in their homes have cats. So we get it. My cats climb on my altar all the freaking time. Drives me nuts. But I don't have anything out there that they can 
smash. Mm-hmm. So, it's fine. Yeah, Kuro really hasn't gotten onto my altar at all. That's good. Like, he just, I don't know if he knows that it's unstable. That, I mean, it's sturdy. Philip made sure that to make it, like, really sturdy. Mm-hmm. But, and to be honest, the only thing that's breakable is, like, my little uh, stand that has, like, all my jewelry on, like, my stones and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that's the only thing that's actually probably breakable. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't, he doesn't care. He'll rob against it. He'll love on it. He'll put his sins on it. But like, he's respectful. That's so nice for you. I love that for you. My cats are dicks. Yeah. Well, that's very uncharacteristic of him. He normally is not that way. He'll normally jump on everything. No, he's being a good noodle. Must be nice. My cats are such jerks. Oh my gosh. I love your cats. As of, as of the time of this podcast being recorded right now, one of my cats has been missing for two days. And I'm like 98% sure that someone was just like, oh, hi, kitty. Do you want some wet food? And he was like, yup. And now he's never coming back. Which is rude. Yeah. Because he's spoiled. But he acts like he's like so neglected. He gonna leave me and his baby mama here with four children. Just <laughs> totally dip. It's rude. <laughs> no come. I was about to say something um, <laughs> about men, but yeah, I'm married. <laughs> and but, I, uh, sh- but really though, typical man. They do that. Some some crappy guys do that. Lots of crappy guys do that. Okay. All right. What's your stuff? I want to know. I love. I loved. I loved your your piece. It was really good. I loved Thanks. It. I winged it mostly. <laughs> you always do. Like I. No, like, I don't. I usually take more notes than that. I literally, like, spend, like, a whole week cramming, studying, absorbing. Well, you're learning new things. I'm just kind of researching yeah. stuff that I read. <laughs> I have, like, ten pages worth of notes. And yeah. Dina, like, literally had, like, a notebook piece of paper with some <laughs> notes on it and her, like, book. And she's like, this is what I go with. And I'm like, girl, I wish. I wish. Well, but I, I do all this stuff already. Yeah. You don't. You're not, like, an investigator. No. It's not like you, like, were on the police force, and now you're just going over cases that have gone cold. Like, this is all brand new stuff. <laughs> that would be easier if that I would was be easier. an That's basically what I'm doing. True. I've, I've been, my, psh, I've been reading these books out the gate. But, yeah, it's nice to know that I do have an altar, because I don't consider my bookshelf on the back porch as my altar. Yeah. But, like, it does hold my crystals. It does hold my incense. Mm-hmm. I have like That's a little, I have a little speaker on there to do my like chill step music, and uh, it hold. I have a bowl, and it has like my. As of right now, it has sage ass, ashes asses. <laughs> oh, sage ashes, um, to get ready for my black salt when the full moon comes. Yeah. So like, it's an altar. I like. To, it is an altar. I'm super happy. It doesn't that. have to be fancy schmancy, and I know like. I know now with the internet, when people post pictures of their altars, some people have some really beautiful altars, and that's so cool. But it doesn't have to be that. One day. You have to think, you have to remember, especially for like paganism, well, really all religions, it started before the internet. Mm-hmm. None of this shit was like a thing 200 years ago. And like, literally, people's altars used to be their fireplace. Oh my gosh. It's the hearth. Like, and you just put all your shit there because that's where the fuck it went. Yeah. Because your house was two rooms. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it does not have to be this big, fancy, crazy thing. It can be a candle on your dining room table. 
But also, if you want to make it pretty, that's sick. Make I it, love it. Make it Pinterest yeah. worthy. Do it. That's awesome too. But it doesn't have to be that. I'm not there yet. Yeah, right. and that's fine. I'm I'm not a big witch yet. Yeah, I'm a little witch. <laughs> I literally have incense and crystals. That works. Um, You're doing it then. Well, like, you know, like that, but like, you know, every time we go to the store, I'm just like, and I'm buying one thing. Yeah. And I'm buying one thing. I need to buy that fucking book at Live and Let Live Still. The one about like protection as a ghost hunter. Oh, yeah. Especially after that dream, though, because like now yeah. I'm like, now I really need to fucking protect myself. But moving on to my story. Yes! I'm so excited. This is my favorite part. Yeah. I, I was I was telling someone, I was like, it's basically just my friend telling me spooky stories while I'm stoned. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, pretty much. It's, it's a blast. I love it. <laughs> I go over a little bit of, of junk in the beginning, and then my friend tells me spooky stories while I'm stoned. It's great. Yeah, I love this. It's like campfire stories, but not because <gasps> it's the middle of the day, and we're in a nine-year-old's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one day. One day. Yeah, one day. Ooh. That'll be our first live. We'll sit around the campfire and do a podcast. It'll be loud, though, so y'all just have to deal. You'll hear, like, the crackle of the fire, the crickets in the background. Yeah, I live out in the woods, and everyone's like, oh, it's so quiet out in the woods. And then the bugs start, and the frogs start, and, like, you know, the the crackheads start. (laughs) No, it is so creepy out here sometimes. Like, every now and again, it'll be, like, two in the morning. And you'll just suddenly hear a chainsaw start up and you're like, okay. What? Yeah, no, because like half the people out here are on drugs. Oh my gosh. And wait, like that's fine and all that, but it is creepy at two in the morning when a chainsaw starts up, you guys. Like yeah, that's not cool. It, they, I mean, you know, they leave me alone. I leave them alone. It's fine. But two in the morning chainsaw starting up is not a vibe. Yeah. The worst that I have is uh, the, the guy who lives across the street from me, he... He's, like, a police officer or a corrections officer. He's something along the... And he works the, like, midnight shift. So when he's off, he'll be outside working on his car at fucking 2 in the morning. Yeah. And I'm like, bro. Wait, yeah. It's it's one of those, like, I get it. Yeah. I guess. But, like... <laughs> can, can she just binge watch Netflix yeah. instead? Or, like, we also have a lot of state land around here. So that's my thing. It's like, why are you in the neighborhood? People go call the law. Go out to the state woods where there's nobody there and cut down a tree. Just do that. Like, you don't need to cut that tree down. I think that's illegal. It is illegal, but they're already doing illegal stuff. So, yeah, it's not a problem. They're they're doing that. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, my story is The Mystery of Marie Carson. Ooh. I don't know anything about that. I'm excited. Oh, it's so good. I'm so excited. So, the reason why I chose this story is because it's based in my hometown for Alton Beach. Yay. And I even went to the church in this story briefly and met one of the main characters. (gasps) I know. Um, And this is going to sound so bad, but I've been excited all week to this story because it's just so juicy. And I remember I I decided to do a story on Father's Day because I was in my hometown spending Father's Day with my dad. And my mom had me she needed me to go to the grocery store to pick up some stuff. And I drove by the building that used to be this church. And then I was like, didn't this happen? And I was like, Oh my gosh, it totally did. And then I was like, I have to do this story now. Yay. So, um, but I'm not drama, but I'm not going to say too much more because I don't want to like to give away, spoil the plot. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Um, I'm ready. I'm buckled in. Okay. 
So uh, this story has been covered by multiple sources, including Dateline, Secrets of the Emerald Coast, the Generation Y podcast is episode 523. I think it's Marie Carson is the title of that podcast or the that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, ID, which is, I think, a station or something. I get it on Dis- Discovery Plus. Um, they have one called Forbidden Love, the Book of James, which I'm not the biggest fan of that one because it was very elaborate. Mm. I'm just going to say that. Like, they went off the facts to kind of make it their story. And I didn't like that at all. Um, and then also it was in cold case justice or no cold justice devoted. And be forewarned. It's a long story. So it's a two parter. Okay. It's a twofer. Um, so you're going to have to listen to next week's episode. Uh, to hear the ending. So just mentally prepare yourself as I'm telling this story. All right. Okay. I'm ready. Prepare yourself that you are not going to get the ending today. Luckily, <sighs> Dina only has two days to wait for the ending. Oh, man. You out there listeners have a whole week. Ugh. So let's get into it. I'm so ready. the main person of the story is obviously Marie Carson. All right. She was described as having a magnetic personality. Same. And she had a gravitational pull. Same. Uh, She loved karaoke. Nope. And her favorite color was pink. Nope. And her favorite word was beautiful. She would constantly be telling everyone, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Like even her sister, when when her sister was interviewed, um, Marie would be like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. And like her, her sister, Esta was like, no, you're beautiful. Like, it was just, she just loved to make people happy. She loved to, like, lift people up, that kind of thing. So, Marie was born in 1974 in the Philippines by a single mom uh, who was Swedish. So, even though she was in the Philippines, she was not Filipino. Filipino. Um, And a family of an American serviceman took her in. And it was later found out that the serviceman that took it took her in was actually her father. Okay. So a little bit of scandalous going on there. Scandal. So Marie found out that her adopted quotation sister, who she considered her best friend, was actually her half sister. Oh, that's nice. So yay. And uh, Marie and her half sister Esta moved to Fort Walton Beach, Florida with her stepmother and the family uh, when she was a teenager. And strangely, at this point, her father wasn't mentioned here. So I don't know what happened to him somewhere in between this situation, between her being born, being taken in the family, and then her being a teenager and then moving to Fort Walton Beach. Um, But all of the shows that I've watched, all the articles that I've read, he is not mentioned at all after the very first paragraph of, surprise, it was her dad. Hmm. So I don't know what happened to him. You said he was a service member? Yeah. And this was the set. He may have passed. Yeah, I was, like, wondering if, like, maybe he was, like, he passed away. Trying or, to think of when Nam was. Or if, like, um, if, like, they divorced and just everyone went with the mom because yeah. something was going on with the dad. Um, I'm going to give a second and see if you can figure out when Nam was. To 75. So, probably not. 
Because she said she was born in 74. Yeah. So probably not now. Okay. We'll take that out. Hopefully. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how my editing skills are. Yay. So when Marie was 18, she was struggling. So Kay Barber took her in. And Kay ended up being like a second mother to Marie. And then Why does that name sound so familiar? Kay Barber. That's what I thought too. But I know a barber. So, she's located in Fort Walton Beach somewhere. Um, So, I have no idea. But um, after school, Marie earned her bachelor's degree in criminal justice and moved up the ladder to become a sheriff deputy. Her ultimate goal was to be in the FBI. Okay. Which I remember I wanted to be in the FBI once. I watched Quantico and I was like, that looks really cool. And then I realized it's going to be a lot of work and I might (coughs) die. And and, and then I uh, decided that it looked too hard, and I did not want to do that anymore. So yeah. the TV show makes it look really cool, though. I would want to be in the FBI, but only, like, the part that talks about the aliens. I'd want to be in the FBI to do, like, stuff like this and get paid. Yeah. Like, let's talk about true crime. I can talk to you every, like, all the way. Like, all the things. So um, in 2003, Marie marries Jeff Carson. During this marriage, they had a daughter, Paris. However, they couldn't make the marriage work. Uh, Jeff said that Mary would go into deep depressions, that she had trouble loving herself due to um, the fact that when she was younger, she was physically and sexually abused. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of self-hate in that. And so need to say they couldn't fix the marriage because of that, I guess. Um, He says. He says, of course. He was probably a jerk. (laughs) He he could have been a jerk. He seems... I mean, there's a lot of interviews, and he seems caring, but at the same time, I I don't want to give too much of the story away, but if someone is not there to give their side of the story, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. So, um, she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but I'm not sure if that happened at this point or later in the story. Um, In the Forbidden Love TV series, Jeff also said that Marie had an affair, so... There's also that minor thing. Yeah, that's probably what actually happened. But here's the thing. he I watched, like, multiple shows where he was interviewed, and Forbidden Love was the first one that he mentions that she had an affair. And so... Oh, and that's the one that you said they may have gone off book a little. Yeah. So I'm, like, kind of confused at why in that one he was just like, oh, yeah, she had an affair. But, like, all the other interviews he did, it seemed like he was saying that just we couldn't make it work because she was really depressed. And, you know, that's why. Maybe that was him being nice. Yeah, maybe he... Maybe in the other interviews he was like, I'm not going to get too crazy. And then in Forbidden Love they were like, production value! Yeah. Make it better! He was like, I got some stuff for you. He's like, okay, fine, I'll let him over. I'll let him... Because you like, you know, especially if you're a nice person... If someone dies and they've done you wrong, you don't want to go out there and put them on blast because they can't say shit. Yeah. That's kind of mean. So I get that. So maybe then that just that one interview, he was like pissy that day. Maybe. Um, so in August 2007, the newly divorced Marie left Colorado Springs, Colorado and moved back to Florida. At this point, she takes Paris with her. However, after a short custody battle... Marie get uh, Marie lets Jeff have custody of Paris due to the fact that she was jumping from job to job, which made her life unstable, and she also enjoyed traveling. Um, however, even though Marie didn't have custody of Paris, Marie saw Paris often, 
and talked to her all the time. Um, and then Marie also continued to have a good relationship with Jeff. And even Jeff was like, I still love her. Yeah. Like, I want the best for her. Like, I'll... So it seemed like it was a really good relationship. It looked like they were co-parenting very well. So maybe it was more kind of like a she had a super depressive episode, cheated, and was like, we can't make this work. I need to work on me. And he was like, damn, that sucks. Maybe. I get that. Maybe. Um, Sometimes people just aren't in a place to actually be in a relationship, they think. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And then they try and force the relationship. And and it just makes everyone miserable. Yeah. Been there, done Uh, that. Right? So, um, February 2008, Mary starts going to Calvary Emerald Calvary Coast Church, which was a non-denominational church that was built in an old grocery store. And here she finds God. Um, so this is a true story. I yeah. actually, this is the church that I went to. Um, I was like 18, 19. So it was like 2004, 2005. And it was way before all this craziness happened that I'm about to discuss. Um, and I have to admit the pastor there was charismatic. Of course, that could also be because it's the first church that I went to where you could wear t-shirts and a jean and and tennis shoes and, uh, you weren't judged. Yeah. So that was cool too. Um, but at Calvary Emerald Coast Church, Marie met James Flanders, the pastor and Tanya, his wife. James Flanders was 40 and was known to be a laid back preacher who was known to preach services in jeans and tennis shoes. Like I said, he was charismatic Mm -hmm. and you can even see some of his sermons still on YouTube that as I was, as I was, well, here's the thing is like, as I heard that I was like, but who profits from those YouTube channels? Like, is he making money off his old YouTube sermons in? I don't know. Yeah. Are they copywritten? I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Are sermons copywritten? I feel like, huh? I don't know. Oh, that's my mom. I'm sh- I'm pretty sure. Your mom probably knows. My mom would probably know. I'm pretty sure there are pastors out there that like if you preach the same thing, they'll like raise hell. Like I'm pretty sure, um, Joel Olstein. If you try oh, and yeah. preach his stuff, <laughs> he'll like come after you. But I feel like the little mom and pop churches. If, like, someone preached something that they did, it wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. So, um, so Tanya Flanders, Flanders, uh, was polite and nice. She was, like, your next-door neighbor, you know, the pastor's wife kind yeah. of personality. Yeah. So she got to meet them. Well, you know, obviously, that's what happens. Because, like, the thing is, like, I don't remember specifically, but I'm pretty sure I shook James' hand because he's the pastor and that's what pastors do. Yeah. And like, you know, pastor wives, they socialize with the church. Like that's, yeah, that's part like their of their job. Yeah, that's their job. So like personalities is kind of like, well, yeah, that's yeah. what they're supposed to be. The stereotypical yeah. personalities. Exactly. So in October 2009, to help Marie get back onto her feet, James and Tanya let Marie move in with them. Then. Wow. Yeah. That's. A lot. You know, why is that such a thing, dude? What is this whole letting people move in with you? Why is that? That's a big thing here in Florida, I've noticed. Oh, yeah. I, I've actually let people move in with me. I have me. not never let somebody move in with me. Fuck that. that I, I don't know you. That I shouldn't have let these people move I in mean, with I mean, I would let you move in with me. Yeah, well, we're friends. Right. Hopefully. And then we'll probably do podcasts like 24-7. Right. Like, I, 
Okay, so, yeah, I guess there are a couple people that I would let move in if they needed. Well, and this wasn't like she just started going to the church right. and they moved her in. This right. is actually February 28th is when, she, or February 2008 was when she moved in. Uh, no, when she started going to the church. Uh-huh. And then October 2009 is when she moved in with them. So okay, it's like so been a year been and a half. Like over a year. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, so it's not like they're like, hey, move in with us. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, still I, though. I do know people who do that though. It's, I don't know, especially when you're married. I would not want to move in with a married couple. That would eke me out. Yeah. I don't think I would have a problem with it. It would eke me out. I mean, obviously, if I was just me. Of course, I have been. This is going to sound so freaking conceited, but I don't mean it to be. I have been manipulated into thinking that every single person who looks at me wants to sleep with me. Oh, yeah. Because that's how I've been treated, and not by other people, by someone I was in a relationship with. It was every single person is a threat because they are trying to sleep with me. Yeah, just because they look at you. Right. And so now I I don't actually believe that of people, but I do get a little freaked out about it. Mm-hmm. Like, what if they do want to sleep with me? I don't want to sleep with them. So I, I get in my head about it. And so I don't think that I could live with a married couple. I think I'd be super uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Me, I'm just like, whatever. Like, who doesn't want to sleep with me? I'm awesome. <sighs> uh, See, and, and, and the thing is, I'm like, I can say no. But at right. the same time, we had different exes, too. Right. And I know I can say no. It just, I don't even want to have to say no. I just don't want you to want to sleep with me. Yeah. <laughs> just leave me alone. Yeah. So she moved in with them, and in the summer of 2010, Marie moves to Arizona to live with James' parents. And I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, what? Okay, sweet. I wasn't the only one who paused at this. Yeah. So, okay, so she's living with the pastor. And his his wife. And then she moves in with the pastor's parents? Yeah, a year, less than a year later. Okay. That's, okay. All right. So I don't know what the situation was that. Well... Arizona's weird, man. But here's the thing, too. She's moved multiple times during this period, too. So I'm wondering if, like, maybe she was, like, getting itchy, and but, like, she couldn't really go places because she didn't have, like, the money. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, well, you could stay with my parents in Arizona. Like, if you... I, I don't know. I, I can't... I actually cannot figure out a situation of, like, why she went to fucking Arizona. But um, while she was there, Marie becomes pregnant. Mm-hmm. Oh, in, in Arizona. She, yeah, in Arizona. At his parents' house. At his parents' house. Awkward. Um, And this was announced on Thanksgiving 2010. She told people that the father was her abusive boyfriend who she was trying to get away with. Away from, not away with. She wasn't running away with him. She was running away from him. So, that, so, uh, December... 2010, James and Tanya become concerned about Marie's pregnancy because Marie. Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah. Sermons are rarely copywritten. Side note. According to to, my mother, to Dina's mom, but she should know because she used to work at church. Yeah. She worked for Jesus. She worked for Jesus. Okay. Sorry. That was an interruption. No, no, no. That's good information to have. So, uh, let's. So, December 2010, James and Tanya become concerned with Marie's pregnancy. Marie is talking about getting an abortion, which in the church is a big no-no. Right. Uh, so, they convince Marie to move back to Florida with them. 
And at this time, uh, a doctor prescribes Marie some medicine for her depression and bipolar disorder. So I guess this is when she gets diagnosed with that bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, However, James says that Marie refused to take this medicine. Uh. And this is also the point where James and Tanya started to talk about adopting Marie's baby because she's kind of saying, I don't want this baby. And they're just like, you know, we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, and the reason why is because uh, even though James and Tanya had an older daughter, they were having trouble having another baby. Um, Tanya kept on having miscarries. Yeah. Um, so this was kind of like the perfect situation for them. Um, then in July 14th, 2011, uh, Marie has her second daughter during a home birth. Um, Ooh. And her name was Sweet Grace Rain Flanders. <laughs> That that is quite a name. That's, you know what? So her first name was Sweet. I always get scared for people who have those names like that. There was someone that I knew a long time ago whose name was Champion. And it's like, what if you don't live up to that? Yeah. You got to go to your subway job in your 40s with a name tag that says Champion. You probably just go as Champ. Right, but even either way. Like, imagine like a 40-year-old balding man. At Subway, serving you a sandwich with the name Champion. I would feel so bad for that person. Well, there's always middle names. Yeah, you could go by your middle name. That's probably what I would do. No. Like, I would... That's a lot of pressure to put but on But then she would have to go as Rain. Yeah. like Hi, my name is Rain. That's just a lot of pressure to put on someone. What if they don't have that personality? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's why I like regular names. Yeah. Um, so after this birth, Marie's mental health kind of takes a nosedive. Um, and on October 15th, Esta, Marie's best friend, half-sister, mm-hmm. uh, spent the day with Marie. She said that Marie was in good spirits. Marie was showing her baby pictures of Grace and James. And they made plans for the next weekend. So she's looking forward to the future. Right. And then the next day, Jeff, her ex-husband, uh, talked to Marie over the phone. And he said that she seems fine. She was talking about her upcoming plans. Mm-hmm. Um, so she doesn't, to them... What you're laying the groundwork here for is that she does not sound suicidal. Yeah. At this time. Yes. Um, she seems to be good spirits, but like James and Tanya are like, but she's not. Okay. Um, and so this is where it kind of takes a bad turn. Um, October 19th, Marie sends a group text to friends and family. And this text says, yesterday I left Fort Walton Beach. There is something I have been wanting to do for a very long time, and there will be no better time than now to do it. So I didn't tell any of you what I I have been planning or that I was about to leave because you would probably try to talk me out of it. I appreciate and love you all. Uh. So this was kind of weird because, one, Marie just had a baby. This baby is three months old. And also, Marie never sends group text until this text. Okay. A lot of the people who received this text didn't realize they were part of a group text. Because she wouldn't normally do that. Because she would normally not have to do that. Yeah. And so after Tanya received this text, she noticed that Marie's gun and medicine were gone. So Marie had a gun. Well, she was... She She was a single woman. She was... Well, yeah. She had a gun. So, yeah, she had a gun, but she she also used to be a uh, sheriff's 
officer. Oh, okay. Too. So then, yeah. So yeah. she probably so does not. Yeah, she probably still just had her gun from later. So from, well, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that they get to keep those, but it's not. She has. She's had gun safety training. Yeah, she's not like just someone who's got a gun. Exactly. I got it. So when Kay, who was like her second mother, um, saw this text, she reached out to James and asked if he filed a missing person's report because mm-hmm. this seemed a lot of very suspicious. Yeah. Uh, James said that he had a friend in the sheriff's department, and if Marie didn't go visit her Sweden mother, uh, then he would file a report. Um, and then October 21st, James found Marie's truck in the Northwest Florida Regional Airport, which is now the Destin Fort Walton Beach Airport. Okay, so she got on a plane. Yeah, he said so that, that's what it looks like. He said that he figured she flew out of town and he drove the truck back home. So that she wouldn't have to continue to pay for the long-term parking fees. Right. Um, and then October 24th, James reports... Jeff... Oh, sorry. Not James. Jeff. We have Jays. We have yeah. Jeff and James. Jeff is the ex-husband. James is the pastor. Yes. So Jeff, her ex-husband, on October 24th, reports Marie missing to the Okaloosa Sheriff's Department. Marie was 37 at this time. He said he wasn't even sure if the Sheriff's Department would take him seriously. Because Marie was an adult, and it wasn't odd for Marie just to pick up and go on an adventure. Right. However, it was weird that she didn't tell Jeff where she was going, and she didn't talk to her daughter Paris either. Which her and Paris talked a lot, even though, you know, she didn't have custody of her. Right. Um, And she, I'm assuming, too, he, she hasn't contacted Paris since she's been missing, since she sent this text. Correct. So he's probably like, that's extra weird that she hasn't even called her daughter. Yeah, and, and Paris is seven at this time, too. So, yeah. like, it's not like trying to talk to a three-year-old. Right. Um, also, uh, Marie left Grace with James and Tanya instead of her own family, which was kind of weird. Like, why would you leave the baby with these two people who, yeah, you lived with, they took care of you, but, like, why would you give them to your child instead of giving your sister? Yeah. Or, you know, your second... Anyway. Um, and so the fact that Maria left Grace with James and Tanya also didn't sit right with Esta. Esta said she had a gut feeling that something was wrong. However, when she expressed that feeling with her family, her family was like, you watch too much true crime. Like, there's nothing wrong with this. Mm. And so that is the end of part one. What? Come back next week to hear the rest. So, Dina, what do you think so far? I think they stole her fucking baby. Yeah. I think them people stole her baby. I think the dingo ate your baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to get... And sadly, we were supposed to record the second episode today, but I couldn't get the notes right. And even with my notes, I'm kind of concerned about the timeline because every show... Mm-hmm. Like, I feel sorry for police officers because every show had its own take on what actually was happening and, like, what technology was available and then what caused things to happen. This is not that freaking long ago. Yeah. And yeah, 2011. Yeah, there's plenty of technology available. What the fuck do you mean? So it was really weird that like, I I was getting frustrated and so I was like, you know, I'll save episode two for on Monday when we record again. Um, And then I can tell you the really juicy part of this story. Ah! Fine. (laughs) Let me sip my tea. Oh my goodness, so rude.
So thank you for joining us. You can catch us every Monday, like I said, to get part two, where we will continue to talk about true crime, paranormal, metaphysical, and new age shit, all while getting high, because that is what's best. It makes everything better. Uh, we also have an Instagram, the Spooky Stoners Podcast. That is stoners with three Zs. If you would like to contact us about your own personal true crime or paranormal study, study story, <laughs> paranormal story, or if there is a subject that you would like for us to cover, you can email us at the spooky stoners podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is stoners with three Zs. So we will see y'all next Monday. And in the meantime, folk on spooky stoners. Thank you.